Hey Baker, welcome to Business is Sweet. It's easy to fall in love with the sweet art of baking. It's a bit harder to take the right steps to create a successful business around your baking. But the business side of baking is also pretty sweet. I believe that you can be paid well for your creativity, build a successful baking business from home, and enjoy the work you get to do. And in fact, I don't just believe it, I know it because I've done it. I'm your host, Brett, a self-taught home-based baker myself who's built a thriving business making a full-time income as a wedding cake designer, all from home while raising my two little kiddos. And I'm here to show you how to do it too. Welcome to the show. Hey there, it's Brett. Welcome to Business is Sweet. It's been a fun, busy holiday season. We're in the new year and it's just fun to turn that first page. Actually, I really love the idea that the new year starts every single day because every single day you're 365 days away from that day next year. And so honestly, every day is like a new year. Every day is an opportunity to start fresh, to try again, to keep going, to make progress. And I just like to have that mindset um, so that I, I don't feel like, oh, I've, I missed the boat. I already like failed on all these goals that I wanted to do and how much better I wanted to be. Like every single day is a new year. And so every single day you can make progress. I just, I've loved holding on to that. What's coming up? So... I am doing a palette knife cake class. It's my first big destination cake class. I'm so excited. If you follow Cake by Courtney at all, she teaches at this beautiful space called Orson Gigi in Salt Lake City. And that is where I'm having my palette knife cake class. And I'm I'm just stoked. I can't even tell you how excited I am. There is currently one spot left in it and it's probably going to fill up fast. So if you're interested in flying out to Salt Lake, spending the whole day with me, learning how to paint beautiful palette knife painted wedding cakes, we're going to do a two-tiered cake. I'm going to teach you color theory. It's just going to be so fun. We're going to have lunch. Maybe we'll even go out to dinner afterwards. I just want it to be the best, funnest cake day experience ever. So if that spot's still open, you can snag it quick. If not, if you miss out, I will probably do another one. Send me a DM on Instagram and I'd love to add you to the waiting list so that you can get in the next time I teach this class. It's going to be super duper fun and it's kind of a fun rare skill. There's not a lot of in-person classes available on palette knife painting. You kind of just have to learn by trial and error so it's really fun to come and learn it in person from somebody who's done it for a while. So that's coming up on February 25th. It's a Saturday and it'll be here in Salt Lake City. The other thing I've got going on is with the start of the new year in this new city that I live in, I'm actually starting a new baking business totally from scratch. And I don't have to necessarily. When I moved, I'm not too far away that I couldn't just keep my old business or couldn't just, you know, move it to this new place I'm in. But I think it's going to be really fun to start from scratch again, to teach and to learn and to put into practice everything that I've been coaching you on here 
through Businesses Suite and on my Instagram and in the courses that I teach. I'm going to build everything from the ground up and it's fun because I'm going to do it in 30 days. I've kind of given myself this little container of 30 days. Can I get this business up and running and start booking orders efficiently, smoothly, professionally in 30 days? So I'm working on that and I'm in the middle of it making a business plan, creating my brand, and I've decided I'm going to just leave some updates here on the podcast over the next couple of weeks as I go through that process. I'll let you know what I've accomplished with the business so far. I'll let you know how many orders I've received and how things are going and just kind of keep you in the loop like a little kind of like a little diary as I go along and, and start this new business, but I've picked out a name for it. It's called Salt Creek Cake Design, which actually sounds a lot like my first baking business, which was Hobble Creek Cake Co. And the reason why I keep picking these creek names is because they refer to the area that I live in. Hobble Creek Canyon was where I lived by when I first started my baking business. And lots of things in the city I lived in were called Hobble Creek, Hobble Creek Coffee, Hobble Creek Dentist, Hobble Creek Quilting. And it just kind of allowed me to fit into that community and people could really easily identify where I was without blatantly just saying my city. It was kind of a more crafty artisan way to signal to people where I was located and kind of what community I fit in with. And when I moved down here, I wanted wanted to try something different. I played around with a lot of different names but finally landed once again on Salt Creek Cake Design because Salt Creek is the canyon right here that I live by and it also identifies this community. People know that Salt Creek is is this county, is this city, is this place and I really want to focus the efforts of this new baking business on this local community. I want it to be very niche to this specific location. I don't want to drive all over the state. I want to stay here and I want to build a business in a, in a very small city. My old city that I started in had about 36,000 people of a population and this new city I'm in has about 6,000. It's like six times, five times less. So it's going to be fun to test these principles in a whole new space, a whole new market, create a whole new kind of business model around this new community that I'm in. So Salt Creek Cake Design, starting it up. I'm in the first phase of, yeah, just finishing that planning. I'm finishing branding it. I'm going to build a new Instagram page for it. So if you want to start, see me start from scratch, you can follow me at Salt Creek Cake Design, (laughs) or maybe I'll just call it Salt Creek Cake. I haven't decided, Um, but I'll be posting about it on Instagram to share that journey. and, And you can watch me just build it from scratch and let's just have a little fun, draw back the curtain and see what we can do. I'm really, really excited to get started on it. I've kind of been on pause from cakes for a while because I've been teaching and coaching and working on lots of different projects and things. And so to get back in the kitchen and start working on orders, I'm really excited. And I hope that all of your orders are going well as well. I hope the new year is picking up. There's always kind of this lull during the holidays where orders kind of stop coming in because people are busy. People have family stuff going on. People are spending money other places. It's just not where their focus is. But now, now that we're kind of coming into January, you should start to see that pick up. And we're going to continue our discussion about these six ingredients for success with your baking business because that'll be really key as you start your new year and start planning your business and aiming for the goals that you have. We want to make sure you have these six ingredients 
very fine-tuned and all incorporated into your business, working on them one at a time. And I think we need to quickly recap what those ingredients are, because today we're talking about number five, but let's start at the beginning and let me recap what those are. The first one is having a plan, a business plan, and this covers your mission, your goals, the legal prospects or legal aspects of running your business. It's kind of the framework that you operate in, that's your plan. Number two is your product obviously a very important one. You have to be selling something that people actually want to buy and you're continually refining your production process and the quality and the way that you present that product to your customers. Number three is your price. Price is so, so, so crucial. That is what drives your revenue. That's what informs your decisions when you understand your numbers and when you let them drive your business in the right way. Pricing does all of that. Plan, product, price, your marketing. Once you have your product nailed, once you know who you're trying to sell to, that's when you go out and you market it. You have a message, you have a brand, you have this mission that you're communicating to your customers that they can get behind that really fuels people being able to order from you. And that is marketing. Number five, which is the one we're talking about today, is excellent customer service. And we're going to dive deep into that right now. But number six is financial management. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the future. So I think back to my first actual paid wedding cake order where somebody actually paid me more than just the cost of ingredients. It wasn't much more. (laughs) And it was a good friend of mine. And that's kind of how it happens when you're starting your business. Your first customers are going to be people close to you that already feel like they trust you. And they're able to take that chance on you. And I'm so grateful for it. And so she was a good friend who was getting married and she trusted me with her cake order. And man, did I pour a lot of time into that. And it it came out great. It was a wonderful cake and she really loved it. And so the next order that I booked after that came from her cousin and someone I didn't know, but she was referred to me through that, that good friend. And I got to do this beautiful three-tier cake. It had fondant ruffles, which I had never done before. It was my first time doing a three-tier cake, and it was my first time driving a fully stacked three-tier cake and just about having a heart attack with it. And I learned a lot from that order. I learned that you need the phone number of someone who's not the bride when you show up, because if that venue is locked and you only have the bride's phone number, the bride's not going to answer her phone that day. (laughs) And that's something that I learned from that. But that was my next paid order after that first one. So my first one from a good friend, and then she referred to a cousin. And then down the road, one of my favorite couples I've got to work with where we did beautiful floral design came from that cousin. She referred me to someone that she knew. And then the biggest order I've ever gotten came from a wedding planner who I'd worked with several times. We'd worked on projects together. I'd done other cakes for her. She'd been to some of my classes. The key, the key component to all of these orders was the experience of the customer and their willingness to pass that on. Customer service is such a key ingredient and it's one of the most overlooked ingredients to success. It doesn't come supernaturally all the time. As bakers, 
we often like to be on our own in the kitchen. Sometimes we can be a little bit reclusive, and that's what we like about baking. We just get to put in our headphones and zone out and do our thing. And so when it actually comes time to work with the customer, to talk with them and communicate with them, it's it's not always our forte. And that's true of any business owner. It is definitely a learning curve, learning how to talk to people. But when you factor it in, it really has the power and the potential to shape your business in such an incredible way and to do so much good. So much of your business in those beginning stages and even after, it's all about customer referrals. Can you imagine if everybody, every customer you had told one person about your business and that one person ordered from you and then they told someone about you and then someone else ordered from you you could fuel your entire business off of customer referrals just by having one person tell somebody else tell somebody else and that slow progression it's like exponential and you'll have constant orders but how do you make that happen you have to create an experience for your customers that just wows them, that is worthy of sharing and worthy of passing on, that's worthy of remembering. It's so sad. I can't tell you how many times I've been talking with a friend or a neighbor and they're going over their wedding memories and I'm like, oh, your cake, show me your cake. And they're like, oh, yes, 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 it was beautiful. And I'm like, who did it? And they have no idea. They can't remember who hired them or or what business it was, what person did it. And which just tells you it's like it wasn't that impactful to them. And so you want to make the kind of impact on people that that they do remember and and your brand becomes that trustworthy that that they can actually pass it on. All of your customer service is about trust. When people order from you and they pay their hard-earned money for your baked creations, it's an act of trust. If you want higher-paying clients, you have to show them that they can trust you with that higher-ticket order through your customer service and your care. It's a huge component of you. Every interaction that they have with you lets them know, like, what level of expertise you have, how professional you are, you know, how are you going to respond in a negative situation? All of this is running subconsciously. They might not even know it. They might not even be able to voice it as your customer, but it's happening because you can, you can trace that in your own customer experiences. Think about times when you were a customer, just like skim over those in your mind. The one that I always comes to mind most recently was our experience buying a couch for the first time and how, you know, how we were treated in the store and where I felt the quality was. And did I feel like there was someone on the other end who was going to answer, like we were buying a $2,300 couch. That's a huge purchase. And so I need to talk to someone. I need to say like, hey, what happens if this, what happens if the delivery guys break it? What happens if it gets dirty? What happens if you know, our payment falls, all those things. I needed somebody on the other end answering those questions. And we had that. And so it developed this trust that I was like, okay, I feel good about paying this much because I'm, I know my needs are going to be taken care of. And I know the customer service is good. I recently had a very different experience as I was booking a hotel with, um, Expedia and, something ended up going wrong with our hotel and we had to change it and we ended up being double booked and paying twice 
and there was nobody on the other end at Expedia. There was no customer service department. It was a robot. Don't we all just hate robots? <laughs> because you don't get your needs taken care of. And when things go wrong, there's nobody there to help you. So in your baking business, you can't be a robot. You can't be hands-off. You have to take care of your customers. Everything about your business and about its success and its trajectory comes back to your customer. Your plan, your price, your product, your marketing, it all revolves around who your target customer is because your customers are literally what fuel your business. Sometimes we can talk so negative about customer experiences and I think we get so wrapped up in the bad ones that we forget to recognize and be grateful for the good ones. And for all for the hundreds of people who order us, who have an amazing experience and who keep us in business and just changing our perspective to have a little more gratitude than negativity. So as you think about your business and how all of it comes back to the, to the customer, the reality is that what you're selling them isn't a product. What you sell, whether it's cakes, cookies, cake pops, cupcakes, what they're buying is at the heart of it, not a product. It's actually not that. And one of my favorite business coaches, her name's Kathy Heller, and she runs a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. She says, people don't buy things, they buy experiences. And it is 100% true. That when somebody goes to buy, it may start with a physical need like, oh, I need refreshments. I need something at the party. I need something on the table. But the reason they choose to buy from who they choose to buy from comes back to an emotional drive, an emotional reason. If someone's going to buy cupcakes, the reason they buy from you, other than like Walmart or a grocery store, is about the experience. It's about what they actually want to enjoy, what they actually want to experience when they have that product. Is it just about shoving something in your face? Great, go to Walmart. But when it's about something more, when they want something more than just that utilitarian function, they're going to go somewhere else to someone who can create that experience that they're looking for. So when somebody comes to buy from you, it's not just about the product. It's about the whole experience. And it starts from the moment they first find you to ordering from you, to receiving the product and enjoying it. The whole process factors in and the way that you treat them, the way that you handle it, all of that plays a role in this experience they're having with your business and your brand. As home bakers, we can get a bad rap sometimes. And there's like this stigma in people's heads because I think it's just implied that when you're baking out of your home, there is no customer service department. There is no manager. There's nobody higher up. And so people are kind of running that in the back of their brains. They're like, what if you don't follow through? What if something happens? Who do I talk to? Oh, it's just you. What if you don't meet my needs? What if you're not easy to talk to or easy to work with? What if I feel like you just aren't going to help me if I have a problem? And that that mistrust, that lack of trust that kind of circles around home bakers, our job is to change it. Our job is to communicate and treat people, treat our customers in a way that it really doesn't, they don't even see us as home bakers. We might as well be a brick and mortar store because we're that professional, because we kind of take away 
this idea of, oh, I'm just a mom in my kitchen doing this and I might cancel on you or I might not know what I'm doing. Um, And our job is to just take that out of the picture, to build a brand and to communicate and to build that professionalism so that people don't even, don't even factor it in because we're just that good at taking care of them. So where does that start? Like what is step one in this customer service game? The first thing is good communication, which is your job. When the customer comes, it's not their job to ask the right questions to get to the bottom of what your policies are or what the order process is. When you walk into a restaurant, you want a waiter to come up and say, this is our menu. These are our specials. Here's the ones that are gluten-free. I'm going to come right back to you. Like you have a moment to decide if you have any questions. Here's our pricing. Here's that. Like it's all laid out for you. And that is what you have to be for your customers. When they come up to you, and they want to order, it's your job to take their hand and say, I would love to help you. Here's the menu. Here's the pricing. This is kind of how ordering works. Let me know what you want. This is the this is all how it works. And then we'll get it booked. Done, done, done. Make it as simple as possible, as clear as possible. It's your job to do that. If you want customers to be a good customer, to know like when to pay and how much to pay and how to pay and where to pick up and when. If you want them to do that, you have to lay it out for them and you have to set it out. So start by just being so clear in your communication. Whenever anybody books with me, I always say, great, here's my payment policy. You have to pay by this day. If you don't pay, it's not considered booked. This is, it's non-refundable. Like I, I spell it all out so that it's there for them. Like, oh, this is the day you pick up at this time. I'll be waiting for you. If you're this much late, I'll just leave it on the, the porch and then it's your responsibility. You know, whatever my policies are, I'm explaining those as we go through the order process and I'm putting them in a booking contract and I'm reminding them of them because one thing that we have to realize is we think about our businesses all day, every day, 24-7. We know how it works. We know how to take care of a cake. We know how ordering works, how to how to do all of this. But for a customer, they totally have no idea. This is not even in their realm. It's not even in their field of understanding. And so you have to speak well, communicate well, to walk them through it little by little, give them every little bit, spoon feed them every part of the process, every policy, and then you have to remind them and you have to repeat yourself and you're going to sound like a broken record to yourself, but to them, they're like, oh, that's right. Like, I forgot that I'm supposed to come here to pick up and oh yeah, that's right. I do owe you another bit of payment. So step one, work on that good communication and wrapped into that step one, it's not just what you say, but it's also how you say it. Asking for payment can feel really uncomfortable. I'm sure you felt that. But if you can learn to say it in a way that doesn't feel as uncomfortable anymore, then it gets really easy. One of the things I've done is just kind of typed up my request for payment and I just copy and paste it and tweak it as needed. And that's made it really easy for me. And in that payment request, A, I'm pretty blunt and straightforward. Like this is how much is due. This is when it's due. This is how you pay it. But I also kind of craft the way that I say it. I don't make it about me. I say, I want to make sure that you can get this booking date 
booked for you. And in order to do that, we'll just need to make sure payment happens by this day. And, and I kind of swing it as if I'm on their team. I think that's really important when you're the business to put yourself on the team of the customer. Good heavens, that changes everything. If you just feel like someone is on your side instead of like kind of going back and forth at you and you're trying to nitpick each other, changes everything. And obviously some people, some of your customers will just be hard to work with. And that's when you just put on your best smile and you repeat yourself and you just, you know, let it be what it is sometimes. But if you can put yourself on their team and change the way that you say things instead of saying like, well, this is how much ingredients cost. And so it has to be this much change it instead in their favor. Say, I want to make sure I can give you the highest quality product. And so this is why the price. Often I don't even spend time explaining price, but that's just an example of how you can change It's the content of your communication is the same, but the way you say it changes. And it makes quite a bit of difference to your customer. Number two, the second thing you should focus on is having a really, really smooth order process. If it's smooth, if people can get through step A, step B, step C and order from you, that is a huge load off their plate. That customer service, that experience they just had was so easy, so simple. And so find ways to fine tune your order process. Make it as simple as possible for your customer. One of the places I hate going to eat is Subway because (laughs) I always walk up and they look at me and I'm like, I can't remember what I do. Do I order the bread first? Do I tell you which number I want? And they just kind of look at you like they expect you to be the expert. And it actually makes me kind of want to turn around and walk out because I feel like a little bit of an idiot when I don't know. I can't remember the menu or I can't remember the process. When your customer is confused, it makes it so much harder for them to buy. And when your order process is complex and lengthy, it makes it easier for them to ghost you and to go find somebody else who has an easier process in place. So it's super important to just work that order process, fine tune it, get it down to the basic steps and make it as easy as possible on your customer. What do you do when things go wrong with a customer? Well, first, notice I say when things go wrong, not if, because everybody, no matter who you are, you're going to have a negative customer situation. And if you can kind of just accept that now and make a plan now, it makes it easier to deal with the situation. Um, If you expect yourself to never have that, to be that perfect and and just well put together that nothing will ever go wrong. It's just too high a burden and expectation to handle. Everybody has bad customer situations. Every business, even the best ones, they have unhappy unhappy customers. And the key, the critical point is how you handle those situations. You're not always going to win back the business of every single person who maybe has a negative experience. But if at the end of the day, they could say like, yeah, but they did, they did respond to it. They did try to fix it. They were very professional and caring and understanding about it. That can make a big difference, even if the customer doesn't come back. That's the best you can do sometimes at the end of the day. I would think about a couple of situations where I had unhappy unhappy customers one time because she wasn't happy with the final design. 
one time because the cake actually tipped over, which was every baker's nightmare, and it just happens. One time because the the bride didn't actually know how to take care of the cake, and she didn't store it properly, and it all ended up getting ruined. And in each of those circumstances, I kind of follow this process for dealing with unhappy customers. Number one, like I said before, you place yourself on their team and you validate the concern. This alone makes all the difference and sets the tone for the whole conversation. When that bride texted me the next day and said, my whole cake is ruined. I was like, I am so sorry. I'm heartbroken. That's the last thing I ever want for any of my customers. I apologize that that went wrong. And I put myself on her team, like we're both like, oh, we're both feeling it. We're both wishing it hadn't happened. And then number two, I I let them know, I'm going to do everything I can to fix this. Can you tell me more about what happened? The second thing is you want to find out more information. You want to understand the whole situation of what happened. Because often that'll give clues to, you know, where did things go wrong? Were you at fault? Were they at fault? I start at this a neutral point where I don't assume fault on either side. I don't assume it's their fault. I don't assume it's my fault because it could be either. And I want to stay open to the idea of like, okay, maybe I could have done better. Maybe there was something I could have changed to prevent this. And sometimes it comes down to like, no, I think I did do my part. I think I did completely cover my bases and this might be the fault of the customer. But the only way to really get to the bottom of what actually happened is to find out a little more information. And this honestly can be very validating just for the customer to let someone to hear their story, someone to just hear them out and to hear what went wrong. A lot of times they kind of know in their heart of hearts, like, oh, this was kind of on me, or I probably won't get a refund. But just having somebody listen to it makes a big difference. So ask them what happened, be willing to hear the full story. And then number three, pick a resolution that best fits the situation. I don't think there's a one size fits all for every negative customer situation. I don't think you should set a blanket policy of, oh, I will always refund a negative customer or an unhappy customer, or I will never refund. In my booking contract, I have certain policies that protect me from having to give refunds. And I do that so that, like I said, I can be protected. But then I get to choose when I want to be, you know, merciful or forgiving, I guess, if you want to use those words. And if if there's a situation where I feel like maybe, maybe I was at fault, or maybe I... I I feel bad for the customer and I'm in a place where I can, I'll give a refund. One of those situations was a bride canceled her cake order two days before the wedding and she knew that I had a no refund policy and so she wasn't expecting anything back and was just letting me know that it was canceled. And me, I was like, I could stick to that no refund policy. She's aware of it. She's ready to abide by it. But because I felt compassion for her as my customer who just, you know, called off her engagement, I was able to give her a full refund. And we were both happy in the end. We both were able to get what we needed, wanted. And because I had those policies in place, it was really helpful. There's been other times where I haven't given a refund. In the case of the bride who did not store her cake properly, she made the pitch that, oh, well, while we were cleaning up, we didn't have any boxes to take it down the mountain. Their reception had been at the top of a mountain in a canyon. And so that was her reason for things going wrong. And I was able to say, well, 
I did leave three boxes with your order. And so, like, did something happen to those boxes? Were they not available? And because of that, I was able to see that, okay, no, I covered my bases. This was just kind of the fault on the, on the customer. And I also told her, I was like, I'd love to understand that. I'd love to make it right. Is there, is there anything that I can do to make it right for you? And just having that conversation. And in the end, she actually just kind of dropped out of the conversation. Cause I think as we spoke about it, she'd realized that it was really just her fault and she just kind of wanted to complain about it. And so at the end of the day, I was able to very professionally and politely like under, understand and validate her concerns and it ended up being okay. Will she still be frustrated about it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and she probably won't remember, you know, to she won't refer people to me. She won't remember my business because it was a frustrating experience and sometimes that just happens and that's okay. And what you do when that happens is is you take that one negative experience, you put it to the side, and you turn and you face all the hundreds of happy customers and the, the good experiences you've had, and you let those validate yourself. And you remind yourself that one bad thing that happened doesn't negate all the good that's happened, and you can use it as a learning experience. In the case of the cake that tipped over, <laughs> that was on me. And I was able to give them a refund. I was able to fix it as good as I could. They were very, very kind and gracious about it. And I got to learn that day how to properly structure a cake to transport because I didn't know anything about center dowels and structure like that. And so that's why it had tipped over and it became a good learning moment. Was it a sucky moment? Yeah, (laughs) but I learned. And so it ended up fueling growth. It ended up fueling progress and I'm okay with it now. I'm able to laugh about it. I've come to terms with it and I'm even grateful for it. The more you work on your customer service and your communication, the better you'll be able to grow your business. The more customers will enjoy ordering from you, the more they'll tell people about it, and it will just exponentially grow your business. My goal is that you can master and apply all of these principles of communication and see success far quicker than I did without necessarily learning all of those lessons in the hard way. And for this reason, I wrote a little guidebook called How to Talk to Customers. And not only does it teach you foundational principles for how to show up more professionally with your customers and how to enhance your communication abilities, but it also includes my entire written-for-you template library of customer responses that I use every day in my business, and I've turned them into templates so that you can copy and paste and tweak them for your customers, and you don't have to keep writing from scratch or floundering for just the right words. I can't tell you how many times I've spent 15 minutes trying to just find the right words to answer a customer, and so these templates help solve that for you. They'll help streamline your business, help enhance your professionalism, and your communication. There's templates for requesting payment, setting a consultation appointment, rejecting an order, pickup and delivery reminders, and even a full booking contract template. You can follow the link in the show notes and snag the ebook guide and templates for yourself if you're ready to up your business and level up in that way. Thank you so much for joining me today on Business is Sweet. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learning all about customer service, and I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>